Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. So before we get back to the episode, Mark and I want to provide some context. David and I want to let everyone understand why we do what we do. Think about what a brand actually is. It's what others say about you and your organization after you leave the room. And we want to protect that reputation. Data breaches literally destroy brands that have been around for generations. We've seen it with our own eyes. When trust is broken, brands are severely damaged and often irreparably. If you take pride and joy in your brand, which you should, because it's everything that matters, then take the necessary steps to protect it from cyber threats. A data breach is a breach of trust. So come talk to us at All Covered. We have a national footprint with local offices to help keep your brand in business. It's your brand. Protect it. Brandology Podcast is available everywhere you get your podcasts. And as always, please don't forget to subscribe, follow, and download. Thanks for listening. And now let's begin. With all that experience and all the, the things you saw in the field and in law enforcement, how did you transition? Was there an event or a person that got you into the, the consulting side with the, the firearm training and, and working? Well, I just, you know... How did the, that happen? The things, the things that happened was I just started getting into the training aspect and the firearms aspect and the tactics as, aspect. So I really just enjoyed everything. And when I went to, uh, after the, the uh, Olympics were mm -hmm. in Los Angeles in 84, I had worked a, a specialized unit called CRASH. And that's the anti-gang yeah, unit, which yeah. was the creation of LAPD, yeah. uh, just like SWAT. You know, right. SWAT is actually the LAPD creation. Chief of Police named it. Uh, but we, you know, we created those things, and and so after working that, I went to Hollywood Division, and I wanted to get involved in some training and some doing some stuff. And so I volunteered. I'm a volunteer. Mm -hmm. I get that. I, I volunteer, <laughs> I do, I really do. Right. and you know. <laughs> I remember standing in Rampart and the captain came in and said, I need a volunteer. And I went, and he just laughed and he goes, of course, Michael. So <laughs> me, and he introduced me to uh, the Secret Service agent and I shook his hand and he says, okay, you spend the next 24 hours with the Pope. With the, the Pope? Yes. Yep. I spent 24 hours with the Pope <laughs> uh, as the LAPD liaison. Got put him on the helicopter, got, had so the, had the, had the cardinal, had the, yeah, had the cardinal, impressive. had the cardinal look at me and say, you're Catholic, right? 
<laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He says, uh, yes okay. father. And yeah. said something to the Pope, and the next thing I knew, I was on my knees uh, kissing the ring and getting, wow. getting blessed awesome. by Pope John Paul. Uh, yeah, I called my mom like... Woke my mom up like, I knew what? I blew off mass yeah. a couple times. Yeah. Let me tell you. I just pretty well got my in. Let me tell you. And years and years later, when, when my <laughs> girls wanted to go to Catholic school, and one of them wasn't baptized yet because my wife was right. Jewish at the time, yeah. and it was a whole thing, yeah. you know. And the and the local school said, "Well, they have to do this, and they have to do that, and they have to do that." And I remember calling the cardinal up and saying, <laughs> "Hey, do hey, you remember you me?" Oh, and, the, and the cardinal was like, "Oh yeah, bring her down here. I'll, I'll, I'll baptize her myself." Baptized you know? by the cardinal. Yeah. So it was like <laughs> very yeah. cool. So it was like, "Hey, everything happens for a reason." Yeah, that's, that's so. Good. But um, but yeah, I was working Hollywood Division. And in Hollywood Division, uh, we were doing some training. And um, so we were going to do this this um, training, and we were going to do we were going to unload all the weapons. And I remember standing there with the sergeant, going, "You know, sergeant, I don't think that's a good idea." <laughs> and he's like, "What do you mean? Well, that's the way we do it." And I said, "Yeah, I know, but you know what? Using live weapons, even if they're unloaded, and uh, still, there's it's still and, you know, and now we know this. Right. This was 1980, but now we know that there's you know as we use simunition. Mm -hmm. We don't. There's no live weapons right. allowed in the training area. Blah blah blah. Uh, so anyhow, he said, "Well, you got a better idea. Go deal with it." And I'm like, "We're in Hollywood Division. There has to be a place right. where yeah. the movie people go to." Right. And I did. I found this place. It was called Ellis Mercantile. And I went in there one day in uniform and I walked in and I said, we're doing a training day. We don't want to use live weapons. Yeah. What do you guys use? And they said, oh, we use rubber guns. We take, we take the live weapon and we make a mold and we paint them and they look real. Yeah. And he took me into the back and he showed me these things <laughs> and I was like, oh my, yeah. check that out. Yeah. That looks right. real. That makes total sense. And he brought me over and they had these barrels, these, I never, like these, like, um, I guess they use, they call them apple barrels, you know, the big blue ones mm -hmm. that you see the big yeah, yeah. The apple oh, juice yeah, comes yeah, in? Yeah. And they had these, they were tan ones, but they had like 20 of them and they were filled with rubber guns, really? ones that they used that maybe the trigger guard was broken off or oh, the oh, sight okay. was broken or something was oh, yeah. broken on it and they're just going to throw them and he, they basically said, take whatever you want. <laughs> oh, wow. Because we're throwing those out. Wow. You know, and, uh, and a, a man tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Hey, can you answer some questions? I'm doing a movie, blah, 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 blah. And I answer the question. He goes, okay, give me your address. I'll send you a check. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm on duty. You can't send me a check. He's like, well, I'd love to ask you some more questions. Can you come down a day that you're not on duty? Uh, and I was like, okay. You know, I was like, <laughs> let me come down. So I, I went down and, and so I walk in Dang. and I walked in there and there's this big tall guy is back to me. And I walked in, and Sammy Moore was the prop master. He turned to me and he said, well, I want to introduce you to the star and the director. This is, and he turned around, and I went, uh, you know, I didn't want to screw up like Tom Petty, but I'm like, <laughs> you're not going to ask for an autograph. If this yeah. guy looks at me and says, make my day, you know, oh, I'm what? like, oh, I, this is, that's Clint Eastwood. Oh. And he's like, shakes my hand and says, thank you so much for coming down to meet with me and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and I did a bunch of movies with, with Mr. Eastwood and, and picked out the guns for Unforgiven. Uh, Wasn't he Unforgiven. mayor of, like, Carmel? Yes, he was. For a while, he yeah. walked away from the movie industry. Um, so he did several movies with 
Yeah, did a couple with him, and and then just did some TV, and then back then, yeah. But this was, I think, it was a movie. If I'm not mistaken, because we went out, we went out and shot up a car this with a machine like gun. Yeah, this was yeah, this was this was no mid eighties. Oh, mid eighties. Mid eighties. So this was the one that he did with Burt Reynolds, where they were like a cop and a gangster. It was oh, I know Tango yeah. and Cash. No, no. no that was that, <laughs> that was later. That, yeah, that's later. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I just Very helped cool. pick out some guns and answered some questions, and then that's where it started. You know, then then what happened was Ellis Mercantile, when when a prop master would come in and have a question, mm-hmm. right? They'd say, "Well, we have a guy that you can ask that question." So they're the ones that helped me. So I got my break. Really? I got my break helping the prop masters, right? Uh, which is really the best way to do it because mm-hmm. now now you you know the guns that are on the truck and you don't embarrass. I've seen technical advisors say no we wouldn't use the Fiji we would use this you know <laughs> and then and then so the director would look at the prop master and say well how come you don't have that and the right. prop, then and you then make the prop looks, master look bad right. so I learned to say I learned to find that find out what they're using this is right. on the truck right and like this is way better than this so I would say something like the the director would say Mike what's more realistic and I said but well, this is good Mm-hmm. But th- if we had such and such, it would be more realistic, yeah. and, and not change and not change right. the shot. Right. And then the prop master would say, "I have that on the truck," and so the director's happy. Everybody's, everybody's happy, and <laughs> and you did well, and, and you actually yeah, well understood yeah, what they're smart. trying to do yeah. because there are technical advisors say we don't do it like that, right? You know, like we would never come around the corner like that. Well, first thing is you don't give away the trade. You don't right. give away exactly. trade craft. Right. right. First, I don't want to teach someone how, how I right. physically right. am right. going to do it. Yeah. Right. I am going to show you what's going to be best for the movie. Right. right. But I am not going to show you how we do it in the field. Yeah. So that you can learn that, so an officer can get hurt. That's professional I'm proprietary. It's trade craft. Yeah. It's trade craft. Really you don't good. give up trade right. craft. No, that's good. But you do. You know. I'm, Denzel Washington called me for. <laughs> I don't know about that. that. That happens all the time. Yeah, well, no, I was on the phone with him earlier. A director like, called me and he spoke to me, put Denzel Washington on the phone to do a movie uh, called Training Day. Yeah. And, I, and I, I told him, I said, Mr. Washington, as much as I would love to work with you, I, would not, I will not make that movie. What? I, I am not going to do that. Why? Because, because it was a very anti police, yeah. very oh, anti, very right. corrupt, right. corrupt police state. My wife at the time was the president of our union, oh and yeah, I was just look. no, Everybody I would just not look. not do it. Oh, and yeah, so it cost me who knows forty, fifty thousand yeah. dollars, but which maintained your integrity. It's you know, and I would love to do a movie with him, and he and he understood completely. And they got somebody else to do it, and but right. and that's fine. But the truth is, you don't give up. Well, you got to feel stuff. good about yeah. what you do. Anyway. Yeah, because I, I was very limited to what I yeah. could do because I'm full time working. Well, yeah, right. You know, and it, it's very hard. You know, working at nights and working on weekends and doing that stuff and doing the best that I can. Can you? And it's a brand. You know, you it's me. Right. You can't. You can't I jeopardize can't, it. Yeah. And, and it's and it's although I had a little company. Most of the times I was being hired, so it'd be hard for me to say, 
I'm going to send Some, Dean yeah, down, you know, Dean is a police officer, he's got all this right. stuff. Sometimes they would say, sure, okay, for that scene, you know, we have Dean, right. but we really want you, you know, right. the director yeah, wants that's you. Exactly. That's what they want you. You know, uh, Michael Mann, It's your personal heat, brand, it's who you are. You know, during yeah. heat. Uh, hey, Mark, are you excited about this uh, 2021 Female Leadership Summit? Oh, David, this is going to be incredible. I can't wait. I am I am really pumped about it. The 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit is going to be your opportunity to access a wealth of leadership insight from a world-class faculty we've put together, ready to equip and inspire you regardless of your field or industry. Yeah, so each chosen leader will provide a short you know, five to 10 minute presentation on culture, on leadership and practical ways to help you succeed. Um, there'll also be a panel discussion on hot topics uh, the belief female leadership matters is more important today than ever before. Absolutely. That's why the 2021 Brandology Female Leadership Summit will give you access to this unique group of world-class faculty who will share their distinct perspectives, inspiring and equipping you with practical skills you can use right away. So don't miss the 2021 Female Leadership Summit only on Brandology Podcast. So subscribe and download the episodes to be notified of this upcoming event. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you. I was working with Al Pacino and that was that was my job. So it wasn't I couldn't throw somebody else in there. No, no. Because they, they hired you and you know and then and then something'll happen later on and then they'll call you and say, Hey, are you available? Can you do this? Yeah. You know, I did I don't know, five or six movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, all in the '90s when everything was mm -hmm. big. Now you were—you did Predator or Predator Two? I did Predator Two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's in—he's in L.A. for the weekend. He's got time to kill or something. Yeah. What, was the, what was the catch yeah, line yeah, to that? But it was like a pretty—it was—it was, it was good. It was well it was done. Yeah. You know, I did Terminator Two with, okay. with Schwarzenegger, yep. which is like the—that's yeah, the, the, like the of pinnacle. all of them. Yeah. That's that's the big one. You you. You told me once, and it was a it was something I thought was really interesting, and it was about people like some of the actors not realizing that when they use blanks, when mm. they shoot blanks, how dangerous yeah, that really yeah. is. They, so because so tell me I always, as a, as a spectator, as a watcher of these movies and television, I always think it's like a cap gun, no. right? <laughs> it's just like a cap gun. Wow. Like, it's a so, really cool looking cap gun. And you're like, no, it's actually bullets. <laughs> it's so just, in nineteen in the eighties, I was working West Los Angeles Division. I think I was third or fourth car to Fox Studios. Um, there was a famous actor at the time on his way up the ladder, John Eric Hexham, and he was he was doing a TV series where it was like they were spies, but they were um, <clears throat> the girl was like a photographer, and he was supposed to be a model, but they were going all over the world. They were spies, and uh, he was playing around on the set with a forty-four Magnum, with a blank, and put it to his head and pressed the trigger and killed himself. Wow, uh, with a blank. With a blank. So I think Holy what I, I think what people don't understand. So for the longest time, blank firearms, are, and they still are, they're live firearms. They're real yeah. machine guns. They're real revolvers. They're real pistols. And what they've what they've done is. They've modified the semi-automatic feature of the weapon 
so that it works what's called di direct blowback. So they, they take the barrel and they make, make some type of obstruction in the barrel welded or to increase some the, type the back to, pressure to increase the mm -hmm. black pressure and then you take a blank which is basically a casing with some powder in it yeah. that's crimped yeah right and what happens is that fires builds up pressure pushes the shell casing back yeah. right. and operates the weapon now you could like in a in a in a movie like John Wick where a lot of it is CGI or they use weapons that are blocked and they use only the primer operates it okay. so there's no gas coming out the front but normally there's gas flowing out the front of it yeah. in order to pressure, alleviate some right? of that, yeah. that pressure because also you want flame right right so you need color yeah you need you need something in order for the CGI to move from that. Mm -hmm. This was in the days when, when you needed that. Now, yeah. now they can track the muzzle and CGI right. and, and do that and add and add everything. And there are special firearms that actually just have a light in the front. They look kind of right, okay. but they aren't. Now, I can see them. Most yeah. people can't, but I can see them in the video. And when it flashes, it that's where they put the CGI. Right. In. Right. So. Uh, they're actual live weapons, and and I I always taught. We did safety. We did safety briefings, no matter who the actors were. And uh, my mo was always to have a can of something in my hand, Seven uh, Up or YooHoo or whatever right. I picked <laughs> up, ginger ale, and um, I usually just dump it out and have it in my hand and say, okay, safety briefing. And I walk up and I put the can down on something and give the whole safety briefing. Tell everybody to put their hands in the air, take the blank gun shoot it at the can and the can would just tear and rip open because and then and say and then pick this it. up and say that's a live weapon it's dangerous right. up until 20 feet yeah. so you're going to point that weapon off off at them depending on where the camera is the camera is going to think right it's going to be here it's at right at but it's not but oh, you, you can still be, aim off you could be just off if i'm going if if i have to aim at you we're going to use a completely different thing we're going to cgi it yeah, we're going to cool. use and there's different types of play there's quarter loads and there's half loads and there's full okay. loads depending on what you want and the color of the flash they change the little ma magnesium in it oh, goes a little lighter wow. the full automatic Very stuff cool. you know all the things all you so you have to know all those things as the ta because you're going to the director's going to ask you to set up right. the shot it's up to you to make it right it's up to you to make everything keep everybody safe and yeah. keep everything safe so working with the prop masters especially lisa uh, amazing prop master that I worked with for you know 13 seasons 12 seasons on bones and now she's on seal team shows you yeah. the caliber that yeah. she is you know we you you get into a into this thing where you under everybody understands their role mm -hmm. and uh, we did things on bones big shootouts multiple weapons uh, you know the actors it, you can't hurt an actor you know, yeah. no matter how much David wants to roll around and get shot at and everything, there's some times where you know the director's going to go, "No, you can't do that." That's a right. little much. You know, it's just that's that can be dangerous. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, especially at explosions and things blowing right. up, and the weirdest things happen. You know, people get hurt, mm -hmm. uh, and everybody does everything right, and somebody can still get hurt. So, mm -hmm. 
um, safety is paramount. Safety is the thing uh, that that is the the way to go. And and I have I have been yelled at by pretty famous directors for stopping a scene. Really? Because really? I saw something that was going sideways, and I've had actors get mad at me for it, and I've had actors thank me for it, and I've directors that I've had producers come to me afterwards and say thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. We're gonna let you go. <laughs> but you need a nice person, nice yeah. padding part. Yeah, but, on but the back. here's the yeah. thing, you know, and then get a call, you know, a day later, you're hired back, and right. and we're sorry, you know, that was the right. No thing hard to feelings. Do. That was the right thing to do, uh, because you're talking about huge amounts of money, especially well, if it's a sure. big stunt scene. Oh, yeah. You know, and having worked in the Schwarzenegger's film with all the stunt guys, that and having so and having been killed in multiple elevators, and don't ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> the stuntmen would always like well because if we had multiple machine guns or stuff all operating at the same time, they would say okay go go to over there and put that suit on and now you're a stuntman with us and this is what could happen and because then you're right in the middle of all the guns happening wow. you know and um, actually I was working I was working on a TV show in the really early '80s like one of the first gigs that I ever did. And uh, the actor had multiple lines to say, but at the same time, he was supposed to throw this guy onto the trunk and cuff him up mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And he kept on screwing it up. And, and so the director was getting, was getting frustrated with the actor. It was a long day. And looked at me, and, <laughs> looked at me and said, Mike, show him again. And I showed him again. And, you know, and, and the actor just looked at the director and said, why can't we put him in a police uniform and, and have him go up with me <laughs> and he, I'll throw the guy on the trunk and then why don't he, he does that, why I say my line and the director was like, are you okay with that? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so I threw a uniform yeah. on and we did the scene and I cuffed him up. I didn't say anything, I just cuffed him up. And, <laughs> and uh, next thing I knew, I was on the set and we were doing some of it and I get a call and uh, you need to drive back to um, and see the uh, GM, and I'm like, uh, uh, okay. getting fired again. <laughs> this was in the beginning, good. so I hadn't gotten right. fired very much. All right, so it was going to be uncomfortable. So I walked into his office, and he's got his hands, and he's like, "So, you Taff Hartley'd yourself?" And I'm like, "I don't even know what that means." Yeah, and he's that? like, "You got on camera doing an action." that no one else can do. So now, and he hands me this big long, this like this freaking massive contract. contract. Oh, you have wow. to liability. <laughs> With a check attached right? to the top. Yeah. He says, get in your car, drive down to SAG. Because oh, yeah. guess what, you gotta guess what you gear. are. You're gonna right. join the gear. So like in 1983 <laughs> or something, you know, I drove down to SAG and handed them the thing and they said, oh, Taft Hartley, we don't right. see those much, you know, anymore. And it's like, okay. And yeah, I've been a member of SAG since then. <laughs> That's and then it's kind of cool because then you can, then when the then the director says, "Well, hey Mike, can you do this?" I said, "No problem." Yeah. Eleven hundred and eighty-four bucks a day. <laughs> Give me a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And nice. they did that a, a bunch of times on Bones just to screw at me because you know, just, just you're, you're going to be the you're going to be this and I'm, and then David uh, and Emily on the very very last show they uh, 
asked me to be in one of the, some of the last scenes, and David and I dressed all up like SWAT guys and get into a shooting and everything. Oh, man. You know, and they put my name at the end of it and everything. That's so cool. It was super That's cool. Great. And they got me a little trailer. And, you know, and remember <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, feel like Lisa walking up and knocking on the door saying, oh, Mr. Grasso, are you ready? Yeah, you feel we like have to, I'm going to walk you over to uh, hair and makeup. I'm like, I don't have any hair. <laughs> I don't think trip. I need makeup. You know? <laughs> and all the people that I've known for 13 years are going to be fussing around and they go, no, you have to sit in this chair and you have to let me do this. And oh, I'm like, wow. Oh, I can't sit still. <laughs> oh, that's no. great. Well, so, what you do is with the... I want to hear about, I want to hear about when Sean Connery called. Well, I, I want to hear this I want to hear I'm just curious that with... Oh, because man. you studied like jiu-jitsu and gung fu. Oh, and, yeah. and so what you, you... Your skill set is so high and so broad... Well, uh, it's probably broad, not that very high. <laughs> you know, a jack of all trades, <laughs> yeah, you know, master yeah. of none. But yeah. it's, it's almost... Um, taste of everything. I know what like, it tastes like. What you like. do is, is, like, instructing and teaching, I guess, is what I'm thinking, is you advise people on, on safety and movement and positioning. Have you ever had one actor or actress in particular that, that you felt was, like, maybe a student of what you were teaching? Like, oh, yeah. You really got it. Oh, you know, Keanu like, Reeves, yeah. definitely. Without a doubt, Keanu Reeves is, really? loves that stuff. Oh, yeah. So many actors, most actors love really? that stuff. They do. Because remember that the TA, they love the TA. Because the TA is making them look right, make them real. Look really, really. And the TA is not Hollywood. We're TA not there. Uh, technical technical advisor, right? So you're not kissing... You're not kissing. There's no political. There's no political thing. I just want you to look good. Right. You know, Chow Yun Fat, amazing with firearms. I mean, so uh, cool. Hey everyone, Mark and I are really excited about a special feature we have coming up about the rise and the challenges of this technology transportation company that has literally changed the world. It experienced explosive growth, but had constant controversy making it one of the most fascinating companies to emerge over the past two decades. The firm, which was founded back in 2009, soon grew to become one of the highest valued private startup companies in the world. And yet its leadership, culture, and business practices have all been called into question, and the brand itself has been under seemingly constant attack. Join us as we explore the rise, the challenges of this technology transportation company. We've all used it, and the leaders who are now trying to save it today. Join us as we discuss the rise and fall of Uber Technologies. Um, I did a movie, uh, Point Break. Yeah. You know, and Keanu and uh, Keanu, and that's how I met him. And um, <laughs> Patrick Swayze, and I did a movie with Patrick Swayze called Roadhouse. You did, um, you, you did Roadhouse, yeah. You did Roadhouse. <laughs> like, that's one of my favorite you, movies, right? yeah. I also did, I did some weapons and some stuff. And um, could you hear yourself for you a did, movie? You did I did Untouchables, yeah. Um, but I did a bunch of Sean Connery stuff, and it was kind of funny because 
I mean, I am a kid of the 60s. I am a James Bond fanatic. Right. And there is walk no greater James Bond. Walk into my house and you see that stuff. Economy, <laughs> yeah, right? Bond, James Bond. Yeah. Right. But, you know, and um, it just super, super cool guy. And my mom used to say, the only him. guy that she would ever leave my dad for. You know how much, <laughs> how many women I probably say that. I want to tell you that. You, that. Race, you know, I don't, I think he, what he did, Hunt for Red October was he in the seventies. Oh yeah, he was, was he really? Oh yeah, I think, when he so. Was really, yeah. I think so. And he was so amazing. Are you kidding? Every 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 man and woman that met him yeah. was like, he had so much presence. He still yeah. does, but he had so much presence. He walked into a room. If he walked into a room behind me right now, I could tell you that he. You could feel it. Yeah, you could feel <laughs> just an ama amazing, amazing guy. I remember I was doing a movie called. Um, um, the Rock, uh, Tommy, yeah. Tom, Tommy Tomlinson, and they, and I got a call one night in my house in 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 uh, the Valley, and uh, my wife answered the phone, and she's up on the phone, and it's I, I got to do it. The way yeah. she did it. It's funny. So she was like, "Yep, yep, okay," right. and she half asked, right. covered the phone, right, and said. There's a guy doing a really bad Sean Connery accent on the phone. <laughs> oh, no. Hands me the phone, and I'm thinking it's Tommy Tomlinson, the prop master, right. you know, screwing around. And I pick up the phone, and it's like, yeah, well, yes, Mr. Connery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mr. Connery. Yes, Mr. Uh, Connery. No, so, no. It's, oh. um, and I remember saying, I said, oh. and he's like, Michael, um, the scene is, is just too long. <laughs> We're all shooting guns at each other. And shooting guns at each other. And I'm like, yes. And he's and he says, I just want this scene to end. I just <laughs> want this scene to end. And I'm like, well, oh, I classic. said, where are you? And he said, We're in a morgue. In a morgue. <laughs> I said, do, you, do they have morgue tables? Huh? And he said, yes. And I said, well, Mr. Connery, just lean down, shoot the guy in the ankle. When he falls over, shoot him in the head. And he's like. I love it. <laughs> Hang up the phone. And my wife is shaking, going, now she realized that was, was really like, Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and if you watch the scene, I think I, rem I remember the morgue they're scene. Having, they're a big shootout, and he does this thing. <laughs> I remember the morgue they're, scene. They're doing that, and he just finally just goes, Boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. And shoots this guy and he falls over and he pops him. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so that's the kind of things you have to be able two things and, and, and it's why I've, I've done it for so long. You have to sit in their world. You have to be in you have to you have to be pretty quick minded. Yeah. But you have to understand what's trying to be done. Yeah, mm -hmm. you've got to understand you, what, what you, the desired the outcome is. people in the audience want to see that. Right. You know, but you also, like, TAs will come in and say, well, we wouldn't do that. I, I would never find myself in that room. Yeah, I would never uh, make uh, entry right. into that room. And it's like, <sighs> okay, that's, okay that's, I guess you never want to work again. Right. You just talk <laughs> yourself so, out, just out of the job. <laughs> yeah. the, it's a Please movie. It's yeah, not real. So we need to entertain. Like People say things like, uh, they'd say stuff like, oh, the director would say, well, I want him to rack the slide. And I'd look at him and go, did he, did the whole movie didn't have a round in the chamber? You know? And the director said, but I, I need for him to do something. I said, okay, how about this? 
How about before he goes into the room, he tucks himself in and he does a chamber check. He looks down, pulls it back, makes sure it's oh. around the chamber, and then goes in. Oh, can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, so yeah. it's something that we wouldn't do. Right. right? But you at least it. it's something that, like, if you... Well, if you don't know, like you don't know, I'm just it's better than. I mean, how many times have you heard them, like with a semi-automatic pistol, heard the cocking of a hammer? Right. Yeah. Which the revolver does. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so it's like. I like like the rack in the side. Like you're in a you're in a gunfight and you don't have one in the chamber. Right. <laughs> you're probably going to lose the gunfight. Ter- Terminator right. 2. If that's your muzzle management, then you're right. probably Terminator 2. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting on the floor with, with Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, and she's got the shotgun between her legs, and she's shot. And they said, they look. the director looks at me and says, she needs to load the shotgun. And I said, I looked at Linda, and I looked at the shotgun, and I picked it up, and I made sure it was around in the chamber mm-hmm. so, so that... It was it was unlocked, and I grabbed it and I went, bam! In my hand, I just yes. slammed it in the air. Oh! And she goes, and Arnold walked she over. She does and said, it in the movie. And Arnold says, "That's so That's cool." That's so cool, you know. Like, <laughs> so Linda grabs it, and she goes, can I, "You think I can do this?" And I said, "Yeah, just what you're just doing is you're holding it in the air, right? And you just do like you just flipping your wrist really fast. You just go, yeah. Right. And so she goes." And the director was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> right. And that's so cool. So it I know the scene. It, it happens is, is in there. Yeah. And I've seen it a hundred times. Everybody in other right. movies. We're going to do that. Yeah. yeah. And everybody yeah. does it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Dude, because awesome. she was a hard ass. I mean, in right. Terminator 2, when you see her, yeah. the very yeah, first yeah. time you see her, she has the bed on its side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you see her from the back. And she's, is that what she's doing? The pull-ups? And she's yeah. doing the pull-ups on yeah. the on the two legs yeah. of the bed, and she's doing his back pull-ups. And and I remember the first time Arnold saw her the, doing it, and she's like, "Oh, you're, you're shredded," you know. <laughs> he was like so happy, and it was just some amazing stuff. I mean, you know, you do these things, you have you have a good time. You do you do stuff like. Uh, like Daniel Day Lewis or yeah, I mean uh, with Al Pacino in Heat, mm-hmm. uh, working, working, working. You know the big shootout that yeah, that's a shootout, great scene. Multiple weekends, yeah. We shot like three hundred thousand rounds of ammunition. Yeah, you know all the guys that were working on it and and um, that scene. It was like I stood there. They're going to do this whole argument back and forth. And I was tired, and I screwed up, and I went. <sighs> and the director, mm. he heard you, heard me. Oh no! Uh oh! And turned around and looked at me. He is that at work, and I slapped. Yeah, and, right. and just said, "So, Drink some coffee. so Michael, how would you do that?" And thank God, a the director, amazing director, and Al Pacino liked me. And so Al Pacino handed me the FN rifle and said, how would you do it? And, and so I had the rifle at the low ready, and the act, other actor is saying his line, I crick my neck. I don't, I, it's a thing that I do before I, I it's a weird thing that just I do. Just a yeah. twitch? So I just kinda, no, I just unlock, you un, oh, make sure right. you let, so I crack my neck and I bring the rifle, and right in the middle of his sentence, I shot him right in the mouth. And just pressed the trigger, because yeah, yeah. I shoot him in the mouth. And the director was like, 
why? And I said, if his mind is thinking about talking, yeah, to produce his mind is not trying to kill the hostage he has in his hand. Right. And Al Pacino says, let's, let's try it that way. And so he cricks his neck, comes up, fires, and shoots. Um, I can't remember the actor's I'm name. I'm trying to remember who right it was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that stayed in the movie. Yeah. And that. then the director took me aside and said, I'm not firing you today. I know you <laughs> I know you want to get fired and you want to go home, but no, you did good. You're staying. So do, like, you, uh, do people collect the, the brass? But, you know, if you go through like a three-day shoot of a shootout and you got casings oh, everywhere. Oh, man, you got to clean up everything. Yeah, if you sit clean up everything. And you sit on the truck with all the other prop master guys and everything, and you load those magazines. Got, oh, wow. oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Somebody's got to put them Somebody gets a blood thumb. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah the, all the guys that were involved in that just amazing people. That's but, you know. So what do you attribute? Because you've got some, so many cool attributes, but really. But I'm old. I'm old, right. and I was in. I was working in that area. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you're working in that area, right. and and it's like everything else. The it's a brand. It's go. Let's go to a brand. You, yeah. You're a brand now. You did the film. And the director knows you, and everybody, you know, mm -hmm. you, you gave them a good rate. Uh, Schwarzenegger, mm -hmm. first Schwarzenegger film, he looked at me and he said, I was on an elevator with him, and super nice. The, the prop master and the uh, stunt guy introduced me to him, and it's really nice, very pro police. And he said to me, so how much do you charge? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I said, I get $300 a day. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I have he says no. He says charge a thousand dollars a day, and I really? said a thousand dollars a day. I I won't get any work. <laughs> He's like, you only have to work three times as less. Oh. <laughs> so I said, can I do it on this film? He goes, no. No. But moving forward, moving forward. Then he turned around to me and he laughed. He says, no. What kind of rate are you going to give me? And I said, uh, eight hundred bucks. He goes, okay, I'll take that. Uh, yeah. oh, and, I cool. did. and then the next movie I worked with him, I charged a thousand dollars a day, and yeah. from then I charged a thousand dollars a day. That is very. And cool. it was I, my time. I don't have the time to go out because no. I was working. Right. Yeah. And so I went from three hundred bucks a day, which I thought was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. But here's the deal. Here's the part that I didn't understand. So I had to take a day off from work. So in those days, I think I was making maybe two hundred dollars a day. Right. Right. right? So, like, so they gave me three hundred bucks. So, in reality, I only made a hundred bucks. Right. And, right. And you burned a day off. Well, I burned the day <laughs> off. I didn't make that two hundred. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm looking at it, going, "Oh, well, uh, mm, uh, right." You know. So he taught me. It's the brand. He said, "You're gonna get less work, but they're gonna think that you're worth more because, because you're asking for that." Right. You know, totally no, that's exactly. It's a very right. weird thing. And well, I knew a, I knew a, not that, but I, I knew somebody in the Chicago area back in the uh, mid '90s who had a series of um, uh, hair salons, mm -hmm. and it was an Italian guy there, and he he was kind of like starting to struggle a little, and he talked to one of the other big time guys there, and he goes, "You raise your prices." You get in, you you put coffee in there, you put designer water in there, and you make it an experience. Uh, yeah, and you'll yeah. get fewer customers, but they'll pay three, four times the price. Yep. And because they're paying for the experience. Yeah, that's and the whole they might thing. go there less yeah. often, but when they do, they're going to expect 
white glove service, yeah. right? And that's well, yeah. You when know, they get you, they're expecting right. And, and that's what happened. I mean, right? Whatever yeah. year it was, so let's say, yeah. let's say it was 1987, yeah. right. and let's say in 1987, I'll just pick a number, fifty thousand. So let's say in 1987, I worked my butt off mm -hmm. and I made fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Well, in 1988, I probably made fifty thousand dollars. But I, I worked one third the of amount you did, right. yeah, of yeah. what I did, yeah. yeah, and you know, so that made a huge, 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 huge difference in the work. And then the all of a sudden, yeah. things started to happen. You know, then, you, then, you, then the producers you work with, certain producers, they they like the way you work. Uh, a lot of training, like I would go and take uh, actors or actresses out. We'd they'd give me a car, we'd get in the car and spend a day together. Really? And we drive, I drive through Los Angeles. I drive everywhere and we talk and we, I'd show them things. So we'd drive to South Los Angeles. I'd show them, yeah, there's a drug deal going on right yeah, there. Yeah, there's one right here. This is it, this thing's it. And we'd drive on the boulevard and then I'd drive a block away and show, you know, and so they get a feel and they love that. They love well, sure. being able to do mm -hmm. that. Um, I wouldn't think all TAs That's would fantastic. be like that, and probably don't have the law enforcement background that you do either. Right. And it's just—it's not all. It wasn't only that. It was more because it was, I—I I understood the concept that the director and the writer. I understood what they wanted. You to were her. looking through your client's eyes, and and by doing that, I was like, oh, so we can make it look like this. You know, and, and again, it's that same thing like when we talked about, you know, having the key. Right. It's just a series of things that happened, you know, working with some really great prop masters that, like Sammy Moore did all of Malpaiso mm -hmm. Pro, did all of Clint Eastwood stuff, and, and Tommy Tomlinson done everything, yeah. you know. So <laughs> yeah. you work with people that are just these large icons like they, and instead of working with a director yeah. or you because the prop masters always are working yeah yeah because yeah. that's that's their job so you know do he's doing a tv show he's doing a commercial he's doing that oh you know what like i can use that you know can you come down for a couple hours yeah just come down you know and you, you need to meet this guy yeah. you need to meet this i did i did some um i did some funny stuff i, I nothing stopped me I just whatever what was it you know I'll make it try to look real right, even, if it, right. even if it's a comedy yeah. I'll try to make it yep. look real you know uh, did cowboy stuff I did uh, tombstone I did stuff with with the actors I did, um, did tombstone? Uh, yeah I did tombstone tombstone I did man tombstone I'm your Huckleberry. The I did Young Guns. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Think of, you know, which was like that was like weird. Working, working, Western, with, right. you know, working with those, but that was like the Rat Pack guys, yeah. you know. So those guys liked me and and would say, "Hey, you know, this guy's doing this film. You should go say hi to him. He's a friend of mine." That's how I would, oh, you know, or we'd wow. be on the set. And they go, you know, they're filming such and such over here. You should go over and uh, let me walk you over and introduce you to the director. You oh, know? wow. Because they'd like that because yeah. you make them look good. I did um, City Slickers. Yeah. There's one yeah. gun. There's yeah. one gun and one in the whole movie. <laughs> but they wanted me to spend uh, a couple of hours 
with um, with the guys yeah. learning how to yeah. spin the guns and stuff, yeah. you know. So I taught them how to spin the guns, and they rented a gun, and oh, and that was the cool great. thing because at the same time that I was doing all that stuff, a couple of friends and I got together and we had a rental house and mm-hmm. we put our guns together. We got companies gave us guns and we were renting out the guns and oh, doing wow. that stuff. Oh, very until cool. I figured out that the insurance rates on it. I just Probably at, at some point I just I said to myself, Nah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. I, somebody's going to hurt themselves. I, the John Eric Hexum thing, you know, yeah. actors spitting guns. I just like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, oh, I'll teach them. About that. And no right. live fire. Yeah. Uh, although a lot of guys, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you know, they wanted, yeah. they wanted live fire, and and they went out and shot live. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm yeah, not doing yeah. a movie. I'm not doing as much as I'd love to. No live, no live fire. Well, I'm saying that's probably a lot of your brand right there. Is people know what what you stand for, what you produce, where you. They know that you're going to be safe. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do. Actors, um, um, Colin Farrell. We did a a movie, um, and I spent the day with him teaching him stuff, and he wanted to go out and shoot live, and I was like, "Why? You're not. You're never going to shoot live." You know, I said. when you watch Clint Eastwood fire a gun, it looks like he shot a live gun. Right. I said, so let me show you Clint Eastwood's trick to that. Right. And I showed him how Clint Eastwood snaps his wrist at right. the end to flip the gun up in the air. You know, because Clint Eastwood showed it to me. And I said, you know, and so I showed him to Colin Farrell. And then we loaded up blanks in the gun. We were at the prop house and, and, and he put was, earmuffs on and we you know, until, and I videoed him and, and then right, showed about He's like, wow, wow yeah. Then. And then he had it, you know, That's so cool. it's like, there was no reason to go out and shoot a live weapon. I took Arnold out. He wanted to shoot the, those Desert Eagles, the 50 Desert oh, Eagles. Oh, wow. You know, he fired one round live and he was like, okay, this is yeah, enough for that. Right. But then I had to go with the sound people and shoot hundreds of rounds to get all the sounds right. Oh, you know, wow. Because that's how they thought about the live yeah. rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you do those kind of things and you understand, yeah, I can do this. The actor wants to do it. Um, I'll take, I could take them out. But if we're going to go out and shoot live for some reason, then we're going to shoot on a regular range mm-hmm. with a table in front of mm-hmm. you and a paper target. You're not going to run around and do the stuff no, yeah. that you're doing on film, yeah. because you can you can even on even with everything done on film to perfection, you can slide in the dirt on some pebbles and fall wrong, and people have a tendency to close their hands right. when they fall, and that's where all the shootings, the the negligent discharges come yeah. from, you know. Um, you're running after a bad guy, and unless you learned and you keep your finger alongside the frame, if it's not, right. you know, and you trip and you fall and your hand close and boom, yeah, the weapon goes off. And if, you, if you just did that with the blank gun and you shot yourself, you're putting a hole in your leg. Ah. And if, let's say you're a female, let's say you're Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. and you Big fall and you shoot, you shoot and, yourself and yeah, in and the leg, and now you have a scar. Right. You know, I don't want to pay that insurance premium. Yeah. And why? One, and her legs, I guarantee, are insured through the right. of London. Yeah. Exactly. Some, some yeah. crazy yeah. thing. Yep. You know, and, and that's what wow. I, I'm sure um, they were during uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's bad enough that, you know, actors get hurt all the time. Mm hmm. You know, um, uh, 
Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast. It means a lot. We're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for subjects, great brands that have risen and fallen, great case studies, or fantastic guests that you'd like to see, please reach out to us. Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. That's Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe, turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.